Welcome to the Bike Rumor Podcast, where we spin off from our usual tech coverage to pick the brains of the people behind the brands. If you want to hear how bikes and components go from ideas to the things we ride, this is the cycling podcast you've been waiting for. Please welcome your hosts, Tyler and Watts. Hey y'all, welcome to the Bike Rumor Podcast, where Tyler shows up and we wing it. Yeah, that's, which is what we're totally doing this time. But uh, rather than introduce our guest, our, me and Watts would introduce them. I'm going to let everybody go around, introduce themselves so you know whose voice is who. So we'll start with you, Rob. Hey, this is Rob Dickerson with Defeat. Hi, I'm Watts Dixon. I'm Tyler with Bike Rumor. And I'm Nick Legan with Shimano. Right on. So there's absolutely no agenda to this other than we're going to talk a little bit about gravel because, Nick, you're in town visiting us to ride the new GRX group which is awesome, the mechanical group, the DI2 is not shipping yet. That's right. All right. And Rob, you came in to show off the new Aero socks. Disruptor. Yeah. We've disrupted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you disrupting? Yeah. Airflow. Turbulence. <laughs> Turbulence. But you had a, no, you didn't have a disruptor. You have an Evo. This is like the Evo disruptor, right? That's right. That's right. right. Yeah, this is new. Speaking of disruption. Yeah, disruption. <laughs> Who's calling? We're closed. <laughs> We're closed. <laughs> but I forgot that tube. Oh, your answer machine got it. Yeah. Right on. I haven't had an answer machine in like 15 years, I think. Isn't that how you used to see if your power was on after an outage, right? You would call and see if your answer machine picked up? I've I never heard know. that. Yeah, that was the um, thing. Back in wait, the how do you do? What? You know, when the power went out. You I've know, never after had a storm. outage in my life. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, we, totally <laughs> so, yeah, you would call your house to, or your apartment to see if your answer machine came on. That meant your power was back on. What if you were there? Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand. I, yeah. like, I think that's a same. self-fulfilling prophecy there. So, yes, we have an answering machine, and um, there's one message that I've kept on there for a very long time. Like, I delete the uh, periodic, like, hey, I've got a bike. Um, one time around midnight... Uh, someone called me to tell me they were calling from California and how they had looked at our website and made the decision that they would never, ever come in my shop, ever. <laughs> they should just check your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that was the message. They decided to leave me. Wow. Just, just to let me know. A lot of free time. They didn't like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people just have to let you know. Yeah, so I've kept it and I listen to it every day. That's it's inspirational. Awesome. Affirmation, daily yeah, affirmation. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't please everyone. <laughs> well, sometimes you anyone. Pleasing every, yeah. <laughs> but I was just riding along. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So what do we want to start with? Socks or yeah. gravel? Socks. Socks. He's passing the buck to you, Rob. Oh, so we're yeah. all wearing socks. Yes. Well, that's yeah, socks are a universal necessity. All right. Where did this idea come from for Aero Socks? Well, um, you know, I'm not sure who came up with the idea of Aero Socks. And, you know, quite honestly, in the beginning, when we first heard it, we kind of thought bullshit, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, what, you know, what's a sock, you know, surely a bare leg or, you know, something. But then when you start looking at the science of it, there's actually some d- data there that makes sense. And, you know, the conventional wisdom for an Aero bike or whatever is smooth, is fast, you know, and... And to some extent, that makes sense but until you start moving. So the item that moves, like a wheel or your feet, you actually have a different dynamic. And it's all about 
disrupting, thus the name disruptor, disrupting that air and allowing the air to move faster around the foot or the wheel. You know, we've seen it in wheels, I think a few years ago, uh, a brand came out with a dimpled wheel surface. Well, yeah, Zip's got dimples on their wheels. No, no, a brand. Yeah, yeah, brand. yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, just yeah. and then, you know, <laughs> Ridley's got the little strips yeah. on their, you know, head tubes and C-tubes totally. to yeah. kind of trip that air and create little, I don't know, uh, what is it, turbulence like swirls, or right? swirls. Like, yeah, yeah that's the turbulence. And turbulence. Yeah. And somehow, which sounds counterintuitive to me, it, like, that turbulence right against the surface of the material, whether it's your sock or a frame or a wheel, makes the rest of the air flow, they call it laminar flow. It goes over it all so much smoother, thereby creating less drag. You and, got it. You just nailed it. Okay. And, and so I mean, you should design a sock, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to do dimples. Now, we're going to make the fastest bike rumor t-shirt ever. This, um, this brings up a point. Have y'all ever noticed that when you're riding your bike and you squeeze your brakes just a little, you actually go faster? <laughs> this is a real thing. This is a real thing, people. Well, much like their initial thoughts on aero socks, I'm, I'm going to say bullshit. <laughs> no. no. Do it next time. Is that just a disc or a rim brake? Both. Both. Okay. Just a little. Just so a little. it's not engaging, but it's damn close to engaging. Just scraping the dirty air off. Yeah. There's something about there it. Said, there may be. Yeah. It goes faster. faster. Yeah. The bike moves yeah. faster. Yeah. This but, is real. Anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, but, you know, we we look back at last year and we had 75 wins in the Pro Peloton um, in our product. And um, I think that's the most of any one sock. So we didn't necessarily think that we needed an aero sock, but we had our team um, quick step asking for an aero sock. And so, well, you know, we thought, okay, we'll see what we can figure out. So we ordered every commercially available aero sock on the market, and we tested them all in a wind tunnel. You know, we're in North Carolina, the heart of NASCAR, but it turns out there's some pretty sophisticated technology down there. There's a um, air tunnel, uh, wind tunnel um, called A2, and there's a guy that specializes in cycling aerodynamics. And so we tested our product against every product, and we per- double the watt gain with our product. I'll and take a pair. <laughs> and, Real? you know, 8 watts, you know, at, at eight. a... 8 watts at a... Um, How many... At a y'all. What was the 8 what? The norm is 4. <laughs> 8 what? Watts. Oh, <laughs> I never get told those. <laughs> so, you know, you know, and it surprised us. And um, does it, if you don't mind me asking, does it, does that result very based on you know i have pretty skinny calves yeah others you're you you have very strong larger calves (laughs) yeah larger calves yeah you know we tested it on two different riders um not really knowing what we would get into and uh you know all the different brands and we were really kind of shocked at the difference it made um the official measurement is for the uci and believe it or not they're checking this um is halfway between your ankle and your knee, and so you actually have to measure. So, so your sock can't be higher than that. Then halfway, yeah. So th- they were going around. <laughs> it's, 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 it, no, he's it's real. They, yeah, they were going around and actually the uh, sock police were going around and checking this, 
Do they have they have like a, a device, like a mm. mechanism yeah. to to test it, to like measure it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the technical term. We're a trying device, not to try cost talk above anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it costs four thousand dollars to make yeah. it. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's titanium. Yeah. To get that sticker is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a UCI? Do you have to yeah. like stitch in UCI <laughs> approval number for your socks now? It's a it's oh, it's okay. a scan, you know, but uh, yeah. It, you know, it really shocked us with the difference it made and, you know, and made us take this idea a little more serious. And um, so, yeah, we're excited. You know, it's I, I do believe that we're on the fastest feet already, um, but I think this makes gives them every advantage um, that they could possibly have. It's all about the incremental gains. So yeah, marginal gains, right? Marginal that's gains. It, yeah, that's it's Semantics, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're at the wind tunnel, but I think – Funny thing is, I haven't even read the comments on that post. So it's one I actually did that from my phone. I was in a hurry. I knew nobody else was jumping on. Like, we have got to post this because it's so ridiculous. It's gonna, people are gonna click on it, and of course they did. Tons of comments. You read them because that's your job is yeah. to see what people are thinking about the feed socks. So like, of course it, it does seem ridiculous at face value that you're gonna get anything out of aerodynamic socks, but you've proven you did. But like, maybe you could tell people the credentials of the guy that was setting up the aerodynamic test in the wind tunnel and why this is actually a legit result. Yeah, we, um, we actually are kind of, he's been bombarded with the questions <laughs> and, um, and, and, and we're kind of taking it off him a little bit. Um, we'll probably let that go out a little bit more once we kind of um, are, have ramped up production and you can order a pair yourself. And try it's them a out. while. It's like September, October. Yeah, right? I, you know, there'll be some initial pairs to go out to some of our um, oil shops and customers early, um, like, like Watson Shop. Yeah, like Watson mm-hmm. Shop, big in the track community. Um, so go to their website, even though some people may be offended by it. And they're and, actually and not on the website know. yet either. No, so. I mean go to Watts's website. Well, yeah, and say, hey, when you get those defeat socks in, I want a pair. My website hasn't been updated in ten years. Doesn't matter. Ten years. It's got your phone number on it, right? Yeah. It does. Okay. But I, I don't know. think it has the right hours on it. Because <laughs> you're not open at midnight, California time. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we, we tried bare leg, you know, because, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, maybe no sock would be faster than a sock, and it's actually not. So. It is your lace-up shoe versus yes. Velcro shoe versus, yeah. versus yeah. the defeat shoe covers. Versus no right. shoe. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Just duct tape your foot to the pedal. Is Dakunik using them currently? Yes. Um, they, they, they have them. Let's see. We've had uh, three stage wins in, in that specific sock, um, but the yellow jersey sock is the standard Levitator Light or, or Evo sock. They, they get to choose uh, on a given day. Uh, Ella Philippe, um, I believe right now, it still has the yellow jersey. I don't know when this will be posted, but he does as of today we're live streaming oh okay we're live streaming <laughs> um but yeah so he's been in the left ear light um but you know what's interesting is at the end of the day we are still winning you know kind of regardless of which one but i think if you're looking for an advantage we also are working on um the track community and potential for this product to have other heights that are not uci legal um, that could give additional advantage. So the tri is the tri community still a thing? 
<laughs> and they pay and, triple for anything that promises them an arrow uh, advantage. No, this is a real question. Yeah, it, the tri community still it's thing? it's Absolutely. big and and uh, yeah, it's huge. And um, they are looking um, for every possible gain, um, typically. And uh, yeah, it's a great community. Um, so like a two hundred fifty pound man <laughs> and an arrow sock. <laughs> <laughs> you need all the watch you can get. Okay. That's what Watts keeps saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That could be a brand. Watts for Watts. Maybe so. I'm laughing all the way to the bank, people. In the meantime, you have some cool t-shirts to sell. In the meantime, he's crying all the way to the bank. Right? <laughs> I haven't been to the bank in ages. They, they don't want to see me. I owe them so much money. So buy your feet socks from revolutioncyclesnc.com. <laughs> Once I get them in stock. <laughs> What's, uh, real quick, and we'll wrap up on socks, the carbon socks. Mm-hmm. Is that, how's that going? It's that was good. kind of a big deal, too, like carbon yeah. fiber socks and the spider silk socks. Like, you guys have done some pretty crazy things it's with... Like spider but, silk socks? Oh, yeah. Yes. Golden orb spider, $5,000 a pair of socks. Yeah. What? what? Yeah, so that was, um, that was I mean, last year. We did that. We Yeah, we... You know, the whole idea behind that is that there's a question about um, protein-based yarns. And, um, you know, that was kind of our way of challenging um, the industry with, um, you know, what's next? You know, what's the next product? Could we, you know, nature produces significantly stronger fibers than we can produce synthetically a lot of times. And so um, golden orb spider silk is stronger than steel, you know, tensile strength. Um, so the question is, is there a way to synthesize that and make that, um, you know, a protein-based yarn? And so, you know, as opposed to plastics, because like yeah, polyester and nylon, they're all plastics, right? And that plastic has to come from, from somewhere. Whether it's, you know, recycled is great, but it's still, you know, there's still a process mm, of creating yeah. that, right? Yeah. One unique thing about what we've done is we have, you know, there's a lot of recycled content out there, and a lot of brands use recycled polyester or, or filament yarns in their socks but they're getting it um, from overseas. So imagine shipping a bunch of bottles, if you will, overseas to have recycled and then turn into a yarn and send it back. We don't do that. We deal with Reprieve here in North Carolina, and they actually have a chipping facility in Reedsville, North Carolina, and they chip post-consumer waste, turn it into a pellet, send it to Greensboro, in a draw tower, draw send it to Greensboro, to Unify, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unify. And um, and make um, make yarn. So uh, you know, basically, all of our recycled yarn comes within an eighty mile radius. So you know, we try to to be as eco conscious as possible. Yes, at the end of the day, it's still a plastic, but at least it's a recycled content and it's um, domestic recycled content. Right. Nice. Cool. Um, so I want to go back to the carbon thing for a minute. The, yeah. the carbon fiber socks, like, other than just being cool to say I have a carbon fiber sock, like, is there a benefit to that? Or yeah, I mean, it has natural odor reducing qualities, you know, because the the nature, the atomic nature of carbon and the way that it attacks the, you know, the, if you will, the stink that you know. Um, Are you but I smell. <laughs> you smell awesome. Um, 
but we just weren't going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, carbon, wool, you know, natural materials tend to do a really good job at um, getting rid of odor. But also, we wanted to prove that you can make a, a, a sock out of carbon. So we worked with our suppliers to find the carbon yarn, and um, we thought it was a really neat thing to do. It's been really kind of a surprise success because it's a premium product. And in Europe, it's been quite popular. Right. Uh, we sell quite a few. Again, because I can say, hey, oh, yeah, my socks are carbon fiber. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. you're riding, all you need to say, really. You're, you're riding a $10,000 bike. Surely you can have a $25 pair of socks. Oh, totally. Right? All right, gravel time. Rock on. So GRX Group, the mechanical group, is just now starting to ship out. People can buy it after market. Yep, yep, absolutely. Awesome. Yep. So the first thing I noticed, so just... Quick background, uh, Nick's visiting us to ride the new GRX group on some local trails, take you guys out for a real good adventure tomorrow. I wish we could tell you about it, but we haven't ridden that yet. We rode our bikes just around town to kind of show him the local flavor of Greensboro, North Carolina. <laughs> Get the vibe. But, uh, shut up, Watts. I love this town. I um, you do. You but fool. The, 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 the immediate thing I noticed was, like, the lever shape itself is dramatically different, and so, like... For me, and I've shared this with everybody in Toronto I've ever talked to, like riding off-road with your drop bar levers, I've always had an issue where trying to brake with just my pointer finger, the shift paddle part hits the rest we, of my finger. We fingers. call that the index finger. The index finger. Uh, we don't like to point. It's rude. <laughs> <laughs> but I end up with the shift paddle hitting my other fingers, and I don't get full braking power, right. so I have to change. And if, so if, if you've ever had this problem, like the GRX lever seems to solve that so far tomorrow's going to be a much better test because we'll yeah. be getting rowdy but it is it's a flatter it's a different shape lever it's pretty rad but so i'm kind of curious let's fill people in on your background because you came from from when i've known you velo news but before that you were in like pro tour mechanic and then velo news and then uh some kind of adventure cycling yeah something and then now shimano so real quick what's your story what is my story uh i started racing bikes when i was 12 Growing up in Indiana, um, went to IU, Indiana University, go Hoosiers. Um, moved out to Colorado and then uh, worked at a really nice shop there called Pro Peloton and then got introduced to a lot of pro cyclists and then was just enthralled with that. I've, I've always loved pro cycling uh, and the road is where I, I found a home as a pro mechanic. So yeah, I've worked in Europe, I've worked all the Grand Tours, the Olympics, uh, all that kind of stuff and had a lot of fun traveling around the world and, and, and doing that. What teams were you working for? Uh, I did some domestic ones were Toyota United, uh, HealthNet, uh, the U.S. national team, and then I worked for CSC, uh, Garmin, and Radio Shack overseas. So um, hopped around a fair bit but had a really good time doing that. And then uh, I've been a, a bike shop owner as well. I was talking to Watts about that earlier and the struggles that that, that entails and also that some of the upsides. Um, and then I did. I worked at Bella News as their tech editor for two years. Um, left there to do some PR and media work with actually Shimano. Um, went back to the editorial world where I was the tech editor for Adventure Cyclist Magazine. That's the member magazine for the Adventure Cycling Association. Um, they create a lot of routes, including the Great Divide Mountain Bike Route, Tour Divide, things like that, um, Transamerica Route. Uh, had a really great time with that, uh, really diving deep into bicycle touring, bike packing, gravel riding. Uh, and then recently, just, just a few months ago, um, got a, an amazing opportunity with Shimano, and I'm now their North American road brand manager. 
Awesome. You kind of glossed over a big part, which was writing the book, Gravel Cycling. Gravel Cycling? What's Gravel Cycling? Things go quickly. Um, <laughs> so I wrote a book called Gravel Cycling with Velo Press, an amazing publisher. Um, all about gravel cycling, uh, gravel racing, and then also bikepacking. Um, and have had a lot of fun with that. The gravel scene is where I feel really at home. Um, I've been, done a bunch of Dirty Kansas, Trans-Iowa, DKXL, just did Michigan Coast to Coast. Um, so it, it's, I really, you know, Rebecca's part of Idaho. You could go on and on. Oh, but you haven't ridden Greensboro gravel? Not yet. Not yet. Tomorrow. That's I, why I'm here. I think gravel's going to be the next big garbage. <laughs> you know what's funny? I don't think we've hit peak gravel, though. <laughs> peak gravel? I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. What year? Uh, I'm not going to predict. Oh, okay. It's, it's yeah. so much easier yeah. for me to say in retrospect. Is it, we hit where does it coincide with peak E? That's a good question, yeah, actually. Yeah, well, well where is peak E gravel biking? Ooh. Yeah, it's not a lot, but it's e road bike is blowing up. It you know, is. it's funny because like we created e bikerumorcom because some jerks took e bikerumorcom even though we own the trademark and they're just whatever. Hmm. But anyway, and and originally really? the plan, yeah, that's that's the subject what? for another talk. Anyway, yeah. you need more lawyers, man. I've got a <laughs> I'm kidding. So. The original plan was, because we just got a comment about this, what, today? Christy's sitting over there in the distance, and she checks our comments. So, yes, today we got a comment, because we've been posting a ton of e-bike stuff on Bike Rumor, hmm. the, the main Bike Rumor, and so just for anybody listening who actually cares about this, like, yes, in the next six months or so, all of it will be combined, along with some outdoor stuff, because anybody who rides, and especially mountain bikers, they love outdoor stuff, too, and it's just van life, all that stuff. It's so fun, and it's so fun to talk about. It just complements the whole bike lifestyle. But e-bikes, you know, like, whether you love it or hate it, it's becoming, it's bikes, right? Like, you still have to pedal. We're not going to cover mopeds. You know, we're not going to cover, like, throttle-based stuff. But if you've got a pedal to make it work, it's a bike, and we're going to cover it. So if you want to, like, stop following, it's cool, whatever. But the point is, we got a comment about it. Um, You know, all this road bike stuff lately that's been coming out. There's a ton of them. But, yeah, there's a couple of gravels, like, Look has an e-gravel bike. Mm-hmm. Um, the specialized one is kind of apparently like a mix of mm-hmm. road mm-hmm. and gravel. And, yeah, it's it's funny, but, like, from Shimano's standpoint, you guys make Steps, mm-hmm. which is a very cool system. Yeah. Um, what are you seeing in terms of adoption of that on the drop bar side? In terms of Steps in particular, or it's e- e-road? Well, yeah, let's talk about Steps since, you know, you want to promote Shimano, right? Well, sure. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, let's do that. Um, no, Steps is, is, is gaining ground. I mean, our, our E8000 on the mountain bike side has really good uptake, and it's a fantastic system. Um, you know, a lot of the step stuff uh, has been used for commuter bikes and town bikes, and we're starting to see more of it uh, uptake, uh, especially with this recent announcement that our DI2-compatible group sets um, are working with our Steps, so they all play nicely, uh, which is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, E-Road, E-Gravel is, um, well, it's, it's here. I don't think it's coming. I think it's here. Yeah. And the reason you're seeing more and more of these things is because it's a lot of fun. If you've ridden one of these bikes, and, and I think an analog is how a lot of people are talking about normal bikes, analog bikes. I'm doing air quotes, sorry. Uh, analog bike. Um, I love I love my, my normal push bike. Um, e-bikes, though, if you get on them, you, you can't... You're talking a push bike? Yeah. <laughs> it is doesn't that have the new, on it. That's the new word? That's not the new word. That's, that's like an Aussie thing. The Aussies okay. or the... 
British people call it a push bike. Mm. <laughs> ah, like as opposed to a pedal bike. Yeah. Well, yeah, or as opposed to like a hiker bike. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Um, about that. But if you've ridden an e-bike, you've probably smiled. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody we've I, ever put one on. I, I think I think that's a pretty universal experience. If you if you felt that kind of whoosh, sorry Nike. If you felt that. <laughs> That's swoosh. a swoosh. Yeah. yeah. You're good. Uh, no, it feels like a tailwind. It's a lot of fun. It, it's just kind of this, it's a cool thing, and, and it's the sort of thing where you can you can still work really hard. Those those people who think that, that an e-bike is cheating or they're they're robbing themselves of a workout, again, I don't think don't they've ride done. One. Right. I don't think they've ridden one. You can always turn it off. You can always dial it back. <laughs> and then you got a 50-pound um, bike to fill <laughs> In some well, cases. In some cases, it's a 26-pound bike now. Right, yeah. 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 So the the... Shimona Step system, from what I've seen anyway, and correct me if I'm wrong, was basically developed for mountain bikes. That's where we've seen most of it is in the mountain bike realm and, and commuter to yeah. some extent. So yeah. how does that translate to like performance road and gravel bikes? Are you guys, you probably can't say, are you working on something new for that? Of or course does we're it working like, on something new, yeah, Tyler. Everybody is always, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, can't really go into that one. But uh, does, it, does it translate well? It does. I mean, I think what we, we have a, a really good ride feel. So, you know, a lot of this comes down to the technology that's built into the sensors and then the, the way that the power, the assistance is delivered as you ride the bike. And it, it, it's quite a bit of technology to have that uh, feel smooth as you're riding a bike so it isn't jerky. The surges. Yeah, you don't, want yeah. To, you don't want surges that way. You want it to, to kind of gently ease on and then gently ease off. And I yeah, think we've done a really good job of that. The same, like, I don't actually mind so much when it just, like, jerks on and, like, you have the sudden power, but when you get to that top end and all of a sudden it just completely falls off a cliff and you're like, oh, my God, now i got to pedal myself 21 miles an hour because it stopped at exactly 20. Yeah. That's that's the tough part for me. It feels artificial, too. I yeah. mean, like, it's, that it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it cuts yeah. out like that. Yeah. 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 It's it either RPM-based or speed-based, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So... Yeah, but no, e-bikes are a lot of fun, and, and whether that's on the road. What's nice about e-road and e-gravel is you don't have the same access issues as you do True. with e-mountain bikes. Um, you know, some places are, are really adoptive, other places aren't. Um, and thankfully, I'm the road brand manager, <laughs> and I get to not deal with that. All right, cool. Um, for, sorry, for me, what? the whole issue of an e-bike, I mean, I'd love to see e-bikes all over the streets of Greensboro, more so sure. than any automobile. But it's still a... a Inclusion issue, um, because Meaning we're what? still talking about a bike that is prohibitively expensive. And Depending it, on like the model, Raleigh, for instance, has some pretty affordable <laughs> options. Yeah, they yeah. um, yeah, do. Uh, zip, right? They had a. Is that still a thing, or is, yeah, that, is that now Raleigh? Or I don't was, have a ton of awareness on that one. Yeah. So I, I don't want to. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how to answer but, that. But one. I well, think we're not having problem selling a $600 bike yeah. to someone the idea of 2000. anything approaching 2000 is mm-hmm. absurd so like I understand s- some of this push but it's by people that aren't necessarily in the trenches of trying to spread awareness of bicycles and cultures so but wouldn't you say it's a lot like i mean you know yesterday's durace technology if you will the you know it you know started and then it trickled down to now at tiagra let me buy a beer rob Um, let me buy you a beer (laughs) eventually eventually, yes but when i'm talking to someone again about a bike that's 
let's just say in the thousand dollar price range, they're like, my car doesn't even cost that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say, yeah. I know, but, mine neither. <laughs> but well, this is gonna be faster. <laughs> yeah, but you know, let's be honest. You have a Vanagon, it's worth like $60,000, so... Oh, it's not worth that much. It, when it works, maybe. Uh, I'm talking about That's the, when you put it on eBay, it's when it so, works. I mean, I have a van behind the shop that I drove to CarMax one time to sell, and I had a bike in the back just to ride home in case they bought it. And they offered me less for the van that you could potentially live in than for the bike that I was going to ride home on. Yeah. Can't live in the bike. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can. Yeah. And so yeah. get a tip, And that was way less than an e-bike cost. Yeah. Yeah, so this is my whole issue with this push toward e-bikes is But do, do you think it's a push towards e-bikes to the exclusion of normal bikes? Cuz I, I don't see that occurring. I don't know. I maybe agree. not. But I understand. And, I mean, I, and maybe where e-bikes end up is in that you know, and I love them or hate them the you know, Lime bike, whatever these you know kiosk things that might be where that lives. So yeah, you're right. You don't buy it, but you can go and swipe and rent. But the bike you own, if that gets you interested in cycling, might in the beginning be the six hundred dollar beginner bike because you know oh I got on it, it was fun. I can't I can't afford that yet. But you know I think it's interesting though the idea of affordability on a bike. It's all based on what your interests are. I mean because let's face it. People will spend a whole lot more on a TV in their living room than they ever would on something yeah. else, and so or on a sofa yeah, or a, you know or you know or their kitchen. So I think the idea of affordability is kind of based on what you value. It's relative, you know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So people will yeah. buy well, five dollar lattes down. all day long. Yeah, yeah. Right. And a year of those will buy right. you a five dollar tube that'll last forever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you know, like from what I've seen is. When e-bikes first came out, there was nothing under three grand, and most of it well above that. Mm-hmm. Now we're down to like sixteen, seventeen hundred bucks for something that's and we're also up to seventeen thousand. Closely respectable. Oh yeah, totally. or or totally. yeah. or, but right. you know, granted, but, it does come know, with like, an extender if, if pack. You can, if you can look back and like, okay, three, four years ago, the cheapest thing was four grand. Now it's seventeen. So in another couple of years, like as battery develop, battery mm-hmm. technology develops, and everything else develops. We're going to be at, you know, an $800 e-bike that at least helps you get to work. And that's what we're talking about, right? Like, the people who are, like, you're talking about Watts, who are, like, trying to figure out how to justify a $600, $700 bike, you know, for another 100 bucks, they're like, oh, all right, so I can get to work not being super sweaty. That's that customer, right? And then you have the customer for the $5,000, $10,000 e-bike. Totally different customers. You know, they're not well, going to care. Well, what about the used market, too? I mean, true. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we're, as technology comes online, it's just like, you know, that initial thing, unless there's a significant issue with a battery, I think a lot of times the mechanics of the product work, you know, for, you know, maybe five to ten years, the used market will be, you know, a relevant market for Absolutely. the, you know, someone that has a budget. I mean, I have one right now that's for sale for $1,000, you know, you know, that, you know, just to get rid of it move on you know it was fun to play with but yeah. i want to sell you know right absolutely well and it's also there, there's also the enthusiast e-bike market and the mobility e-bike market yeah. and and we're talking you know those are two different things right there was recently a bike that was launched that was very much an enthusiast specialty e-bike the performance e-bike and i think what we're talking about and maybe you're more interested in lots is this, this kind of 
e-bike as mobility. Yeah, accessibility for yeah people that... And that's the beauty of the bicycle period, is that it's historically very affordable transport. Well, and what's a moped cost? So even the most generic, inexpensive moped is probably in that $2,000 range, right? No way, man. New? Oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, new, probably. Yeah, because well, that's what we're talking about. We're talking stolen. about... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about or, like the or recently like... repossessed. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, we yeah. kind of got off on a little bit of a tangent. We yeah. were talking about gravel. Yeah, so, yes. <laughs> yeah there, man. it all comes back to gravel. Yeah, but then we mentioned gravel e-bikes, and from that point, we probably lost go? half. Of I don't our know if you heard. Stuff. There was a record scratch yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so, where you edit. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> no, this was good. It was fun. Um, I think we did. We mention the term gravel. Ceiling or peak, peak gravel, peak, peak gravel, peak gravel. There's really no ceiling. The fact yeah. that you're telling me that there's still a tri market tells me that the peak gravel, like, is well, it tells me that I'm not gonna buy arrow bars from you. So, that's when do we have X Terra gravel? Make an order because oh, oh, that's a real sick. thing. There is seriously, there, yeah. what's, what's a real thing? Did they just Dan tone down the courses has, so much that you don't need cross country bikes anymore? It's, it's already occurring gravel triathlon, so it's, mm. it's a gravel, maybe a road or a trail run. A gravel ride and a, oh, and a or not in that order. I understand that it's dance. swim, bike, run. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. He's a big fan of gravel, actually. He gave a, I, uh, a talk on, on gravel geometry and some other things at, mm. well, mm. in Reno at what used to be Interbike. Yeah. Interbike? What's that? <laughs> I, I hear that. Let's not go there. Sorry. That's a buzzword right now. Hot topic. All right, so, and this is, like, let me just preface this with, I love everybody at Shimano, I love everybody at SRAM. SRAM you don't have to totally it that beat way, you guys man. with one by road, one by cyclocross. You guys, Shimano, has totally crushed it with a specific gravel group. And I feel like you have a little bit of a head start there because there is a difference, right? Like the gearing I want for cyclocross mm. or for road is not what I want for gravel. There's that middle ground in between both of those. And you guys now offer that. You're, you've got a little bit of a head start with that. Like... First of all, my, my question is, like, how did that come about? Because Shimano, historically, has not been an early adopter since they've had some serious competition from others. So how did, how did that come about to where, like, we got to jump on this right now, we got to beat everybody, we got to get it out, or did you just luck into it because gravel's been a thing for a few years? Shimani. Um, Shimano, super lucky. Yeah. Shimani. Shimani. But, uh, yeah, so let's start with that. Um. Yeah, no, I think what Shimano did in this case that was really, really smart was they they noticed that this gravel thing was occurring, and instead of uh, worrying about it or instead of eschewing it as, you know, tossing it aside as just you know, this niche thing, they took the time to dive in and lean into it and really learn the market. And uh, they spent a lot of time traveling not only in the United States but in particular the Midwest of the United States where, where kind of the the uh, the heart of gravel is um, and went and rode a bunch of gravel roads and talked to a whole lot of people who've been riding gravel for some time uh, they developed something you know, like an ambassador program called the gravel Alliance so 16 people all over North America um, which has been around for a little while cause several years now too, yeah. yeah several years and and these are people who ride gravel, some of them race gravel, some of them work at shops, some of them own shops, some of them put on gravel events. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty diverse group. Why? Um, 
I know. I, I, there's no Southeast representative in I'm, better than what? Steeple's a part of this, right? He is. Mm-hmm. All hail the black market all day long, man. Um, we've got some great people in there, and, and they helped us learn a lot about this scene. Um, and then they've actually had a hand in, in product feedback and product development. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. So it, it helped us not just uh, understand what's going on, but really listen to what their needs are. And it, in, in our opinion, there really is a difference between a road group set and a mountain group set, and now this new category of gravel and adventure for us. Um, and GRX is that answer. It's, the, it's a set of tools for the gravel cyclist um, to kind of pick and choose whatever's best for them. So we do now have a one-by uh, mechanical, one-by DI2. We have two-by mechanical and DI2. We have 11-speed. We have 10-speed. We've got a lot of things going on. We, it's not just a toe in the water. This is a pretty deep dive. Right. So what I like about this is that it took a lot of existing parts and technologies and, and shift patterns and simply added to that without, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, not alienating, but like... We didn't make anything obsolete. Yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. you. Um, and that's cool, but at the same time, like I've heard from some product managers from some pretty major brands that are like, oh, well, they didn't just go to 12 speed, so mm-hmm. I'm not interested. Or like they missed an opportunity to go to 12 speed. So how do you justify, other than just being able to say, hey, you can use a lot of your existing parts and mm-hmm. just add a new derailleur cassette, and all of a sudden, boom, yeah. you've got a gravel group. Like to me, that's a huge plus, but like surely you've heard this. Like how do you respond to that? Um, well, my name's Nick, not Shirley, but <laughs> I would say that um, Roger, Roger. I, think, <laughs> I think most people can predict where you'll see this, the first 12-speed road offering or drop bar offering from Shimano. I don't think it takes um, too much market awareness to understand where you're likely to see that first. Uh, beyond that, you know, Watts touched on it earlier. Uh, gravel is this. What, what I love about gravel is that it's really inclusive. It's very welcoming. We don't really care what bike you're on. It could be a mountain bike, it could be a road bike, it could be a used bike, it could be a new bike. Um, and the idea was that we wanted to keep GRX affordable. So you can upgrade your current bike that's 11 speed. You can cr- upgrade your current bike that's 10 speed if it's Tiagra uh, with GRX. So we did want it to be affordable and we did want it to be backwards compatible. And I think that's a real strength. We're not asking people to buy new wheels or even new free hub bodies. Um, that's a real benefit for a lot of people. People, There's a lot of fatigue around this. Uh, we misuse the word standard all the time as an industry, and we really wanted to make sure that we weren't creating something new in, in that respect. Um, when it came to, to the wheels that you, you probably already have in your, in your garage. So um, I think it's an important decision we made or series of decisions that we made. And personally, I, I think it's the right call. So I like it. But... At the same time, I also really like Microspline. I really like XD, XDR, because it does drastically improve cassette implementation, installation, whatever the word is you want to use. What's what the... Words? You, you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, Microspline, like, say what you can, is that going to move the road in gravel? I can't tell you anything on that one, buddy. All right. I have, cr- I have a crystal on, ball here, and I'm going to say it's going to happen. I'm going to say yes. I'm it's gonna, pretty sweet on XT and XTR yeah. and SLX. So. All right, so here's when we when I interviewed the other Nick at Shimano, Nick Murdick, who's the mountain bike product manager. Yep. Um, he didn't have... Great guy. Yeah. Far better facial hair than me. <laughs> totally. But uh, so 
with him, I introduced a lot of questions that were submitted by readers on social media. So I, I sent it out ahead of time and said, hey, you know, what do you want to ask this guy about the new Shimano stuff? Because I, you know, I knew I was going to be there. And one of the questions was, okay, well, what about drop bar, or no, sorry, flat bar, shifter, cassette, compatibility with this, all this gravel stuff? Because some people want to run like a mid-range, which is what I would call gravel, cassette, um, with flat bar shifters and mix and match the, you know, like, let's say they wanted to run like an XT shifter pod with a GRX derailleur. Like, what's, how does all that come together? Sure. So we actually have flat bar shifters that do a road pull or a road actuation. So you can do a flat bar GRX bike. Okay. What's um, the model mechanical. name? Like, what's the model name or number for it's that? It's actually a non-series or there's, I believe there's actually Tiagra as well. Um, I have to look it up. Sorry, okay. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but you can also do. We actually have a, a Gravel Alliance member who built up her new GRX Di2 bike using XTR Di2 shifters on a flat bar. So you With can do which derailleur? An XT rear derailleur? Nope, or GRX no, because we don't have GRX XT front and rear. Okay. Yep. Um, and then she's using a flat bar with XTR shifters. So the idea is E tube is essentially intercompatible. Uh, if you're running front and rear derailleurs, the only the only caveat is you have to have the same. Um, essentially road or mountain front rear derailleurs. You can't put, let's say, an XTR rear derailleur with an Altegra front derailleur. Right. Why is that? Because yeah, I, mean, I, I was an yep. early adopter of the original DI2 yep. um, Durace and then on to the, all s- subsequent models. Sure. In, and um, very early on, there was this little window of time where a 6750 front derailleur would work with a XTR rear derailleur. Yep. It was it just this, and then there was a software update, and yep. boom, gone. Yep, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the reason the reason behind that is because our, our components are very, and we use this term over and over, and Tyler's probably tired of hearing it, but system engineering. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that we don't design a single component. We design a family of components mm-hmm. uh, that are designed to work together so that you get Shimano quality shifting out of it. Yeah. Um, so the reason we do that is because to do so is to is to run outside the design parameters so for instance your bike is a good example i I looked at rob's bike when i saw it and i was like whoa what's going on there he has an altegra front derailleur an altegra rx rear derailleur he's running a 5034 chain ring and an 1140 rear cassette which is way outside spec works great though by the way and he's happy with it (laughs) he's done some some clever programming on his synchro shifting to make that work for him Um, but that is outside our design parameters and that's why we don't uh, allow that within the E2. Essentially, it's because we can tell the world they have to play by our rules. Yeah. Uh, and But those rules ensure that we have the best shifting in the world. So it's Shimano's world, you're just letting us ride in it. We're hoping to ride in it. Thank God they didn't fire it. all the guys that invented the front derailleur. Right. Yeah. So the, um, the, the cog spacing on the gravel derailleur, or cassette, sorry, and the cog spacing on the mountain bikes then are the same? Even though it might be 11 speed 12 speed. So you could take like an XTR. Well, because there is no XTR DI2 12 speed. So you could take right. XTR DI2 11 speed derailleur shifters and run it on a GRX cassette. You're squinting. You're hurting People my can't brain. See yeah. <laughs> uh, say that again. Well, please. so you mentioned that you could run some of the mountain bike stuff with the new GRX stuff. But it's got to be, at this point, it's got to be the cassette. So is the cog spacing on this 11-speed cassette the same as your mountain bike cassette? Yes. 11-speed mountain bike yes, cassette. Yes, it is. In fact, the the cassettes that we're using on our one-by, like on your bike, 
that has an XTR 11-speed cassette on it. So okay. the 11-speed spacing on the cassettes is the same. Okay. Um, but if you're talking, because I don't want to mislead anyone, right. we can go. We're going down a big compatibility <laughs> rabbit hole here. Right, right. Um, but what I will say is the the derailleur and sorry, the cassette spacing is the same. Um, but if you're talking on the mechanical side, the cable pull ratios are not. So you can't use a GRX mechanical shifter with an XTR derailleur. You need to run that with a GRX derailleur. Okay. So basically run GRX shifters and derailleurs together, XTR or XT shifters and derailleurs together. But yeah, either have one a, have will a work GRX with bike or have a mountain cassette. bike, yeah. is what I'm saying. But the cassettes will are interchangeable between them. Yeah, in terms of 11 speed they yeah. are. Okay. Yep. Yep. Right. So if you haven't cr- upgraded to 12 speed, you're good to mix and match however you want it to create your gravel monster. Absolutely. Monster awesome. on. I always, I always said that, you know, the, of the brands out there, you know, I've, I've always found myself continuing to gravitate towards Shimano because of the durability and, the, you know, and, and quite honestly, just like the consistent sit, shift quality and, and, you know, and while... Now I have to buy a dinner. But the... But what got me is it seems like a lot of brands right now are... Um, the only concern with the extremities of range, you know, mm-hmm. either the 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 lowest possible gear or the tallest possible gear, and then getting there and what that feels like in between, so, sometimes seems to be missed, and I feel like that that's where you guys kind of nailed it. Yeah, and I think that's a story. I don't I don't know your cycling background. I think that's a story that a lot of people who've been riding bikes for a long time are pretty adept at telling. Um, I'm, I have a roadie background, and I'm pretty and, and a track. I've done a little bit, you know, dabbled in track or dabbled even in single speed, like Watts likes to. Um, if you ride single speed, if you ride track, if you've ridden road for a long time, I think a lot of those people are really tuned in to gear progression mm-hmm. or the fact that a gear can be slightly bigger or slightly smaller without being grossly larger or grossly smaller. And uh, it's important to remember that when when we ride bikes, whether they're e-bikes or not that we are the heart and, and, and the engine of a bicycle. And if the transmission isn't able to, to, to efficiently transmit power from that engine to the wheels, what's the point of the transmission? So that's what we make. We try to make the best, most efficient transmissions uh, on the planet. And I think we do that. It's a good party line, man. I just bought it. Rock on. <laughs> Game over. So you're going to get rid of your single speed and get some gears? No, oh, we got great single speed parts. Oh, no, 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 no. But I just mean, I was like, oh, that, that makes sense. I found myself nodding my head. I thought you were just nodding kind of off. looking at Nick <laughs> with that, like, yeah. He did ride a bullet. He did, yeah. I did. You want to nod. Incredible. All right, so offer you guys the last chance to kind of throw any other comments out there you want people to know about the feed or Shimano well this is Nick and I'll say buy those aero socks yeah, but hey to win you must defeat <laughs> <laughs> sorry best line ever on that note thanks for listening check us out on whatever podcast player you like just search bike rumor and uh, yeah see y'all next time That's a wrap on this episode. Tune in next time for another great ride. Be sure to follow at Bike Rumor on your favorite social media and hit like and subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks and we will see you next time.